Ronananian. See, you know how I know the older cars were so cool? Because next week, nobody's writing a song going, Kia, my Kia, Kia. Nobody cares. Wait, here comes the my Kia. What's a my Kia? My Kia. The car doctor. Well, when you take it apart the third time, check the clearance. Can't hurt. And if it's out of spec, that spec, then you've got your answer. You know, and you could you could yeah. you could sit and ponder why, and sometimes you don't know why. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now... What really burns me up is they didn't give us one word of warning. Here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number. Happy to be here and... Uh, Happy to be able to talk to you this hour. Next, as we uh, continue the quest to fix all of America's broken cars, and I guess around the world, we have to change that to uh, the planet um, as we think about this, since we are uh, podcasting it out on the Internet as well as here on uh, terrestrial ground radio, um, as it has been since its start uh, 27-some-odd years ago. More information at cardoctorshow.com. We're up there. You can uh, also get over and uh, check out at cardoctorshow.com. You can check out the uh, Facebook page via that and also uh, click on over to the uh, uh, podcast page via Spreaker um, as well as other good information that we tend to put up there from time to time. And make sure you get out to the Facebook page because that ever irascible, um, often imitated, never duplicated, no baloney, not a phony Tom Ray tends to uh, put some really great pictures up there today. I'm afraid to look today. I'm not sure. Show day, he tends to put some doozies. So, uh, Things automotive-related, I can only imagine. He probably has nothing until I mention it, and then I'll remind him, so I should just shut up and keep doing the show. Without any further ado, there was an opening monologue, an opening conversation I wanted to have with you about something really kind of neat, real world, that happened to me yesterday. But since the phones were already lit up and backed up, let's go over and talk to Micah from Maine, a longtime listener and a regular caller here on The Car Doctor, and uh, see what's going on. Micah, welcome back, sir. What's cooking? Well, what brought me back is actually the thing that brought me to you the very first time we ever met in person, and that was a hole in my tire. Mm. Um, you know, I check my tire pressure not as often as I should, probably once a month every six weeks, but I keep them filled to 35, and I'm driving down the road, and I probably should have checked them, but I got the tire warning light, and I drove right to Europe, right into a station and checked them, and one my right front tire was down to 26 pounds, and that's a problem. Yeah, it's a problem. So I filled it up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but you know, I filled it up and I and I monitored it. It wasn't going down, and you know, slowly, slowly, slowly. After three days, I saw it was down two pounds. I said, okay, there's a leak here. So I went down to my dealership because I have warranties in my dealership, and you know, they're good people. They're, they they really do good good work as they can. Uh, but they're a dealership. I'm talking to a service writer. I'm not talking to a technician, and that kind of bothers me sometimes. So they bring it in and they look at it and they say, yeah, you got a tiny little nail on the tire we got to plug it. And I had told them, I don't want it plugged. I want it patched. I learned that from the car doctor. Have you ever heard of Ron and Anian? A plug isn't really necessarily safe. Yeah. And they said, well, the way the hole's in there, we can't patch it. It can only be plugged. So I wasn't sure what to do. So um, I called Ron and Anian, the car doctor, who, who happened to tell me, because we're old friends, he said, 
Well, you know, you can plug it. Anyway, it turns out. Well, and you really can. Well we should we should we should expand on that. You know, in an emergency, in listen, and uh, let me let me tell the conversation that we, that we had in the shop when we we talked to us. The exact words I said was, I said, Micah, we used to put plugs in the slicks on the hot rod way back in the day. You know, thirty years ago. You know, when you're young and ignorant, you get away with things. You tend not to realize what you can get away with, and 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 it works. Is it recommended? Is it the safe? You know. You know, government-approved way of doing things? Absolutely not. But Rube Goldberg didn't get his name, and his 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 uh, his, his you know the legend wasn't created because of people not trying things. And I'm not saying do things that are dicey, but in your scenario, if you had to put a plug in it. But our conversation really centered around, and I think you're coming to that right about how much life was left in the tire, and that's where the story is here. Right. They, um, you know, we took a measurement on the tire, and, and what you told me is that, you know, if you're only going to get six months out of them anyway, plug it. Wait till you get a whole new set of tires, because with all-wheel drive and traction control, you can't put on tires that have different sizes. A new tire can't go on a tire that's worn on a car that has three other tires that are worn down. Right, and and that's so they, and that's a story in and of itself too. The the problem with these all-wheel drive vehicles that people don't realize is that the tire, one tire is. You know, one tire gets a, a nail, and there's they're 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 two thirds worn out. You know, halfway worn out. Now you've got you know three tires of one diameter, one tire of another diameter. Certain applications manufacturers do, and I believe correctly. I have seen shutter, I have seen shake, I have seen transmission uh, operation faults from incorrectly balanced or matched tires, and 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 that was my concern with the Subaru. Go ahead. I'm just jumping in here a little bit, Mike. I'm sorry. I think that's great. That's great. <laughs> so anyway, the, the dealership said, look, we want to take care of you the best we can. Let's see what we can do. If we can prorate the tire, get you a new one, shave it down, because I had not, you know, 10, 30 seconds. Uh, rather, uh, the tire starts with 10, 30 seconds. I didn't have two, 30 seconds or three. I had seven, 30 seconds left on the tire. Right. It's a lot of tire left. Yeah, it's a lot of tire. So... So they said, let's see if we can work something out, prorate it. We have a warranty with us. We want to take care of you. So it turned out they put the plug in it temporarily for $72. They're ordering me a new tire. They're shaving it down to 730 seconds, and they're going to mount it and rebalance it and put it all back on together for free, basically under warranty, because all I had to do was play, pay the prorated price. And I think that's And I think that really is a great way to approach this you know shaving the tire and making it matching the tire to the existing three on the car i think that makes absolute perfect sense for the fact that you don't have to drive around for what might be two years on a vehicle with with a tire plug you know tire plugs are okay but if you don't have to we'd rather not uh you know and then we also had that conversation you and i this week about you know what tire plugs are work and what tire plugs don't and the two that we have a lot of faith in is those old school brown rubber plugs, and yeah, I'm sure somebody's got a horror story out there about the way it failed. And uh, you know, I can only tell you, I've I've never seen a brown rubber plug installed properly fail. Do I use them? Nope, not anymore. Uh, but in an emergency, they got me out of a lot of jams as a kid. Uh, and then the other product that we use now, as far as a tire plug, is something from a company called Tech Tire, and they are the uh, gray black plugs that go in with their lube and they're self-vulcanizing and they melt into the tire. Tire plug technology has come a long way. The absolute only safe way to repair a tire, though, is a plug patch from the inside. It's just what it says. It's a patch. Inside, there's a plug in the middle, and it gets pulled straight up. That gives it integrity. That gives it strength. That 
prevents the tire from having issues of, of, of leakage and failure and, and, you know, all the things that go wrong with a plug that can go wrong with a plug. So in the end, you're going to pay, you're going to pay less than 100 bucks, and you're going to get a tire that's going to be equal to the other three on the car. Exactly. And, you know, there's, I have a question for you and a comment that I want to make if sure. I can. Go ahead. Because uh, the, first, the comment is that what the dealership said to me, and I really appreciate this, and it shows how it makes a difference how you maintain your car. What the, and, and this dealership is great. They're the biggest Subaru seller in, in the state. Their service is really good. But, you know, you just I don't trust them like I trust you. That's, you know, just part of the deal. But I've known you forever. You're yeah. my friend. Well, and I think, I, 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 but, think, I think it's... What's the name of the dealer? Let's let's give him a plug, Micah. Who are they? Patriot Subaru. Okay. Patriot Subaru in Saco, Maine. They're terrific. And, but what they said to me, and yeah. this is what I wanted to say is the comment. They said, you know, I really like the, the, the service, right? I really like the way that you maintain your car and you care about it. You make sure that things are right. So I want to do what's best for you so you can continue to maintain it. That makes a difference. Yeah, it does. And it made a difference this time. Yeah, it does. What What people fail to forget, I think, is... Believe it or not, mechanics are human beings. God, I know that sounds impossible. And I think that I think there are a lot of car people inside of those mechanics that you see every day. I'm not saying every mechanic's a car person. I know that sounds strange, but a lot of them are car people. A lot of them are doing this because they love automobiles, not because they have to, and they enjoy working on them. And I think the successful mechanics are the ones that, you know, they enjoy working on cars. They're good at it. They enjoy the challenge, and they, they, they take the task at hand. But they appreciate a clean, well-maintained car. Uh, they appreciate the opportunity to maintain a car. I don't know too many mechanics who get all excited to be able to sit there and go, well, I guess i got to go out and fix this car the wrong way. Um, you know, that's it. Just I think it just goes against human nature. It's like anything else. Regardless of what you do for a living, Tom Ray does radio stations and towers and transmitters. And I think if somebody approached Tom and said, Tom, I need you to put this transmitter up, but I want you to do it this way, which isn't exactly right. Uh, you know, if he had to do it, he'd do it, but he wouldn't be happy about it because he takes pride in what he does, and he's a craftsman. And, you know, regardless of the trade and the industry you're in, I, I think it's the same thing with Pisa. I think that's why he said, hey, Michael, we like the way you take care of your car. We want to do it right. And here you are, right? Exactly. And here's the question. The nail went in, it was in the center of the tire, it wasn't a sidewall or anything, it was right in the center, right in the center tread, and they said, we can't patch it because it's on an angle. And that's just part of what I don't exactly understand, and I'm not sure if your listeners would either, and I'm wondering if you might be able to explain that. Well, because the, the idea is that, you know, a plug patch, so it's a flat, pl it's, a, it's a patch with a plug at a 90 degree angle to the patch. If you bend that that plug at too extreme of an angle, the concern is that it will break off at the base of the patch, come loose, and then not provide a positive seal. There's a certain amount, I mean, it's, it's sort of common sense. I don't know what this, what this angle was. You know, we generally kind of look at anything over, anything over 30 degrees is usually grounds for let's do it a different way. Um, approach. If this was a 45-degree angle, that's pretty extreme. You're in at a pretty tight spot. Um, you know, so you kind of, let's, like I said, let's try this a different method, a different way. The concern is how well that plug patch, the plug is going to stay to the patch itself at that extreme angle. Because you also have to realize going down the road, that's a lot of road force continuing, continuing to push on that at the angle 
and you know the tree is bent over, right? And as the wind comes along, the tr- the wind keeps pushing on the tree. Sooner or later, it's going to snap because it's not at it's not straight up. It's 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 got that much less distance to go, and it's weakened. It's at a weakened state. It's meant to go in straight. It's meant to be at a ninety to the patch itself. Does that does that make sense to you? That makes complete sense. So I, it really does. I, I just couldn't quite figure it out then. Yeah, that's 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 what they're looking for, and that's why they do that like that. All right, Mike, as you well know in radio, I'm up against the clock, babe. i got to go, um, uh, but I appreciate Thanks your comments. Thanks so much for your help with all this. You're very welcome, sir. Anytime, and uh, I should point out it was radio that brought Micah and I together, so that's one of the benefits of doing this radio show for 27 years. You take good care, Micah, up there in Maine and beyond. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. back. Ron and Annie, the car doctor, 855-560-9900. The car doctor's 24-7 number. You can call that number anytime, day or night. Leave a message. We're live on the air Saturdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, but you can call that 855-560-9900. Leave a message, and Tom Ray, executive producer, will call you back and get you in the queue for the next live show. More information at cardoctorshow.com. Hey, you guys didn't tell me this. I'm just coming across my notes. Uh, we're doing a Wix diecast giveaway uh, this week, aren't we? Um, are, are, are you guys trying not to tell me? Is that is that the whole point of this? I uh, see you didn't pay attention to the pre-show notes again. Well, I was busy. Uh, you know, I was I was checking out the inside of my eyelids trying. You to were playing ready. a video game. You weren't busy. Well, no, I wasn't. I was losing a video game. Is what I was actually doing. Um, <laughs> trust me. Yeah, yeah. We saw the Z bubble over your head. Yeah, it just wasn't. Um, but uh, um, yeah, you guys trying to keep this car again? Is that what this deal is? But in any event, we're giving away a. We would not do that. You know that. Well, I can't imagine you guys doing that. Um, what is this? Oh, I'm sorry. This is the. Oh, this is the Wix Filter 75th Anniversary 1939 Ford Coupe Diecast Car. We're giving away one of those this week, uh, courtesy of the nice folks at Wix WixFilters.com. All right. So uh, the decision of the judges is final, Tom and Tony. In other words, when they're done playing with it, we'll give it away. So uh, it'll probably be later in the show. Uh, <clears throat> anytime Tony's rolling across the floor. Let's go over and talk to Lance in New York City, 2018 Toyota Corolla. Some maintenance questions. Lance, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? Hey, thank you for taking my call. You're welcome, sir. What's cooking? Uh, I recently had to buy a new car because my old car got totaled out. Okay. And uh, I had it about a month. It's a new Corolla. Right. Uh, 2018 and it comes with uh, what they call Toyota Care, which is two years of their free service. Right. And I was going through these the owner's manual, looking at the service intervals, and I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not buying what they're telling me. Right. Yeah, I can understand. What are the ten thousand mile intervals? Fifteen thousand mile intervals on oil changes? Well, oil changes oil changes are ten thousand. Uh, coolant is a hundred thousand, and plugs are one hundred twenty thousand. Okay. Uh, they don't even mention the transmission. Well, because it never it never goes bad or until it blows up. It's one or the other. It's a, it's a it's yeah. A, I have a feeling that by the time I make my last payment, I'm going to be ready for a new car. Well, and and so, you know, yeah, and I I agree. Listen, has oil gotten better over over the past twenty years? Absolutely, oil's gotten better. Technology's gotten better. Vehicles have gotten better. We've got better we've got better control of the of, of the fuel delivery, and and we can make a car go longer. Absolutely. The issue is. There are too many variables. You drive different than your neighbor, than the guy around the block, than the guy on the other side of the country, and it's hard to rate and register everything the same. So, you know, either we're going to count on the machine to tell us, and the machine is programmed by the manufacturer, who I still believe 
with everything I've seen over the years that I think the marketing department has a big hand in it. You know, it's it's Lance. Do you want to buy a car from a company that says, "Hey, change the oil every five thousand miles; it'll run forever, and you don't have to buy another one"? Or do you want to buy a com- a car from a company that says, "Change the oil every ten thousand miles; it barely needs maintenance, and we don't tell you the part about how when it's going to wear out and what happens to it." I had a friend. I'm a real world mechanic, or, or so I believe. I've, I've, you know, I have this argument sometimes with people, sometimes in my head. I think I'm a real world mechanic. I talk to guys in dealerships all day long. How often do you change your oil? Every tech I know, the real ones that I consider real, not the kids that are still learning, and I'm not knocking the kids, but they haven't done it long enough, will tell me that, and regardless of manufacturer, but Toyota's in this conversation, Nissan's in this conversation, Honda's in this conversation, GM, Ford, Chrysler, you get it, that they're doing their oil change based on the type of oil. That synthetic oil, they're running five to 7,000 miles. Conventional oil, three to four, sometimes five. It depends on their style of driving. It depends on the car and, you know, what they think it'll tolerate. But these 10,000-mile oil changes, to me, and from what I'm hearing real world, go too long. I had a friend who was a service manager at at, at Toyota for many, many years. He, He just recently retired. He was up there in Newburgh, New York, for the better part of 25 years. And he told me point blank, he said, the biggest mistake Toyota ever made was the extended oil drain intervals. And that's what's led to, in the last five or six years, Toyota's had their issues with piston rings sticking in the grooves and oil consumption at the 70, 80, 90,000 mile mark on a lot of their four and six cylinders. And he said it just they just went too long. Now, they've changed the quality of the oil or the spec for it, and they've, they've you know changed the interval a little bit. But I think an oil change is, 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 is more than just an oil change. I think it's a chance for a mechanic to take a look, a good mechanic, to understand what's going on with that car, to evaluate it and appraise it. And I also think in the day and age of TPMS, 10,000 miles might last you a year. You're going to find somebody to check the tire pressure four times a year. I mean, as it is, you should be checking tire pressure once a month, but that's a slightly different conversation. Lance, stay on the phone. I want to finish with this question when I return. I don't want to rush it. I'm running anything the car doctor. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Lance, you're still there running in the car doctor here with you. I'm here. Okay, so, yeah, that's just my perspective on oil change intervals and why they're that long. Um, I, I I really believe it's a marketing concept. I think in your case it's 020 oil in that 18 Corolla. 5,000-mile right. intervals are more than enough. 6,000-mile intervals are fine. Because the other side of this is, ask the Toyota dealer what oil filter they're putting in it. And they're probably going to come back and tell you they're obviously putting in a Toyota. I don't know of a Toyota oil filter that's rated for 10,000-mile intervals because, and here's the argument, okay, that that, that 10,000-mile interval filter is the same one that they use on a different mileage interval vehicle. It, it's not like they call out something specific. And, you know, we've, we've had this conversation here on the air for years and years. I've talked to engineers. We've talked to people in the field. We've talked to parts manufacturers. You know, some filters will go the distance. Some filters will go longer. Wix makes specific oil filters that will go a longer interval. All right? You can purchase that from companies like Wix, wixfilters.com. But to just randomly say that all filters meet a 10,000-mile interval is wrong. It's erroneous. 
and you you know you're not you're not you're not doing you're not doing the vehicle any good. It's, okay, so we'll call the oil changes at five five thousand on yeah, that. I think five is a safe bet, and you know what? You'll probably call me up in two hundred thousand miles and go, "Wow, the car doesn't burn any oil and it's still running." And I'm real happy, and I I think that's going to be the okay. case. Okay, um, coolant. What should we do that at? Um, I like coolant. Toyota coolant, and 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 here's their thought process. Okay, look up the first coolant interval, and then look up the second coolant interval. Their feeling is the first coolant interval is 100,000 miles, or I think it's 10 years, because they feel like it won't go bad as fast because it's a newer vehicle. But then the second time around, they want it five years, 50,000 miles, or five years, 60,000 miles, I think the interval is. Um, I, I, I like five years, 60,000 miles. I also like to test my coolant using what we call a dip strip. It's sort of like that litmus paper test we did in junior high school before you blew up the lab to impress that cool right. girl you wanted to ask out, which is another story. But, um, uh, you know, it's called a dip strip or a coolant test strip. You know, after that vehicle is two years old, going on to years three, four, and so on, I would be checking the coolant on a regular basis as part of my oil change service to see, you know, what's the acidity level. Does it have proper pH? Does it have proper, proper freeze point protection? The, the key to changing any fluid, and coolant is no stranger to this thought, is you want to change it before it's a problem you want to change it as it's about to turn all right? right you don't you don't want to go you know you don't want to i don't know any other way to say this you don't want to worry about cancer after the fact you want to do the preventative stuff before you get the disease and and you know that's that's part of what dip strips will do they'll help prevent that that coolant from you know being in the vehicle when it's bad and causing corrosion and, and high acidity okay, plug, plugs and tranny what, what would you do for those oh uh, you know, it's it, it depends on what fluid it is. I, I, I think it's WS fluid. Uh, Toyota's WS fluid is typically worn out in the 60,000-mile in the range from my experience. It's starting to turn black at 45. It's black at 50 and 60, depending on how you're using it. I like I like 60,000-mile intervals on trans fluid, um, you know, but call me silly. I just don't like putting transes in cars. And as far as spark, okay. as far as spark plugs, spark plugs have legitimately gotten better. The issue becomes, all right, and, and you have a stake in this, too, and you have a responsibility in this, too, as the vehicle owner, because then we'll have the conversation about, you know, besides the other maintenance you're doing, which is all good positive stuff, what type and what level and what quality of fuel and what consistency of fuel are you putting in the vehicle? Uh, you know, I'm using only top-tier fuel. Top tier fuel. Right. Top tier fuel, carbon reducing treatments, you know, a bottle of Berryman fuel cleaner on a regular basis to help hold down carbon deposits as the vehicle ages, BerrymanProducts.com. You know, all that stuff helps. Spark plugs, they want it at 120. I don't think it's gonna hurt. I don't think it's gonna break the bank to start thinking about it at ninety and do it at a hundred. All right. Okay. And 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 from that moment on, I, you know, it's just it's just common sense. Don't forget, there's an air filter in this car. You're going to check on a regular basis. I've gotten in the habit if I do a, if I do an air filter, I do a cabin filter. I tend to do them together. And the argument becomes that if the engine's breathing dirty air, it's the same air that's passing through that cabin filter. Chances are that cabin filter's ready too. You'll probably do cabin and air filters every 15 to 20. And I I think when you get to the end of this, if you add up the extra maintenance that you're doing. And you're at the 200,000 mile mark, and not the 100,000 mile mark, and you've had very good reliability and 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 less aggravation and and less failure and less surprises, because that's the other thing that regular maintenance does. It prevents the surprise. It prevents the problem from becoming one because you're on top of it. You know what? You haven't spent a lot of money when you consider the fact that you don't have to go out and buy a new car at 100 grand. There you go. All right, sir. I appreciate the help. You're very welcome, Lance. Good luck to you. 
Um, it, it, it still comes down to common sense, folks. It really does. It's, it's you know, we talk about it all the time, um, that it's, it's a good mechanic under the hood looking at things with care and caution will is, is worth their weight in gold in terms of what they can help resolve and uh, keep you safe out on the road. And um, think about that every time you see a broken car out on the road. My first thought is, gee, I'm sorry to see that. My second thought is, I wonder what, it, what they didn't maintain in order to put themselves in that spot. I mean, I know it happens, but you wonder what's preventable, and that's my whole point. Steve in Wisconsin, you're up next, 855-560-9900. How can I help, sir? What's going on? Hi, I just um, I just uh, I, a, lot, a lot of things you just said, boy, are just right where I'm at with yeah. a lot of my uh, a lot of my maintenance, even the numbers. It's incredible. Yeah. Anyway, I wanted to do maintenance on one more thing, and I pulled out the owner manual. I wanted to know where, what about my fuel filter. So uh, I have a 2010 Hyundai Elantra, and uh, I went to two different dealerships in two different cities. And uh, both told me they said, "Don't worry about it. You'll never have to worry about it." It's I said, "Well, why?" They said, well, it's located somewhere in your gas tank, and it, and I, well, I okay, fine, how does that work? Well, they didn't really know how to tell me how it worked, and I didn't have no time to sit and wait for one of their mechanics to come out. But the interesting thing of all that was, was I said, well, how do I know if I'm having a problem with it? Will my car hesitate? What will happen? And then they said, and I said, what will be the cost to find out about this little fuel filter? So my question is, do you know anything about why the fuel filter is inside of a gas tank? Oh, sure. And how it works? Yeah, absolutely. How they would get to it? Um, well, you, sure. you, 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 you kind of don't get to it. It's, it's, let me tell you why it's there first. The reason they started putting fuel filters in gas tanks so many years ago was, bec- well, part of it is because they went to returnless fuel systems. Listen, the less part of the reason cars are made like they are is because you know believe it or not there's bad mechanics in the world i know that's a shock to everybody and that you know everybody's surprised <laughs> yep. to hear that but you know car companies are trying to turn out this perfect product believe it or not they are to some degree and then it gets in the hands of a mechanic that doesn't want to go to school that doesn't want to take the training that doesn't want to invest the time and you know and the other 10,000 things that's required to become a mechanic and for whatever reason, either they're angry about their lot in life, and gee whiz, why can't I fix cars the way I did in 1964, and you know, blah, 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 blah. So we, we start to design things that don't break as often or won't require as much maintenance. Or also the other factor here is meeting federal emissions requirements. Gasoline okay. being fed to the engine and then returned back to the gas tank, the return line, what's not used, that warm fuel, because it's been running around a fuel rail on top of a hot engine, that warm fuel going back to the tank raises tank uh, temperature, which raises the uh, reed vapor pressure point of the fuel in the tank, and it, 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 it actually affects evaporation rate. It affects um, the EVAP system, and it creates a higher evaporation rate. It tends to boil away, right? Things get warm. They, they, they tend to boil away and lift off. It creates pressure issues and other wear and tear. Hey, what if we could design a car that doesn't have a return line? Can we do that? Can we create a system where we won't have okay. to have a return line? So, A, it's one less thing to manufacture times, you know, 100,000 units or, you know, a million units. And it's also better for the EVAP system. It's better for the emission controls. So let's make a returnless fuel system. The, the, the excess pressure is dumped off right in the tank. We can put the filter in the tank. That's one less mm-hmm. thing for somebody to have to work on and take apart and break and, 
you know, tell the customer, hey, your car needed a fuel filter, but because the manufacturer did it wrong, I couldn't fix it right. Now you got to go buy a new car. That makes them mad at the manufacturer. So it's uh-huh. manufacturers are defending themselves, and I get that. Um, that that filter in the tank, that's a permanent filter, or until the fuel pump fails. All right, I I know okay. I know of no separate replacement part on a Hyundai that you can purchase it. The idea becomes that when the filter fails, you put a fuel pump in it. Why? You know, it's for the reasons I listed. Um, you know, it's how long will it last and how will you know? You know, I've got to say, we, we, we very rarely get fuel filter failure issues. Um, of course, that's, okay. my, that, right. that's, that's my part of the country. I, I've come to the conclusion from reading the forums and the different things I see mechanics talking about that I live in a very different part of the world and, 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 and in my part of the country, North Jersey, is very different than the guy in Florida, California, Texas, and, and et cetera. Um, but I, I, I commend you for thinking about it, and I think, you know, your, your, your thoughts on worrying about it, I think you're right there. Um, so maintain the car where you can maintain the car, Steve. You know, do your air Very filter, good. do your oil changes, do your regular maintenance, pour a bottle of right. fuel system cleaner in the tank, and dry, I, drive I, it for 300000 All right, sir? I just, I, yeah, I just got to tell you real quick, yeah. I've had five of these cars, and I've been blessed with... Um, just great performance. I've had very little trouble with with over 18 years of buying five of these cars. Yeah, they're good and cars. And this one I've kept. I've kept this one a tad longer than normal, and uh, and I'm a big like you just talked about with the last caller. I'm big on maintenance. You get to the problem before it becomes a big problem, right? You know, or whatever thing that nature. But uh, I, I just was surprised that there was so much more. Just to the. You know, I'm just never. I thought a fuel filter was that tiny little thing, and that was just it. You changed it, and that was done. No. But I never knew, never realized about. I never kept the car this long to ask that question about a fuel filter. And boy, I tell you, that's very. Anyway, I'm appreciative of your answer. Thank you. You're very welcome, Steve. You take good care, and thanks for sharing with us. I'm Ron and Andy, the car doctor. We're back right after this. Yeah, Tony, you have to you have to push that button. Did you know that? So I'm just helping Tony on both sides of the glass today, folks. I'm I'm trying to. Tony's pointing down, and I'm going. Tony's sleeping today. He's he's dreaming about the loss of Aaron Judge. What do you think they're going to do without Aaron Judge now, Tony? Yeah, that's a problem, huh? No, we're going to be okay. Yeah, we're gonna, we're going to be okay. Okay, we're we're, we're all right. Is it you know, he, is, he, even though Tom's a Red Sox fan, his his, his team is in first place. That's my, right. My team is still doing good. You know, everybody. He's not carrying the whole team on his back. Everybody else is contributing well, so we're okay. Okay. Is it is it time to move over to football yet? No. Okay. Not yet. No. I'll let you know. Let's get over to the phone. Sandy, Wisconsin, 07 Chevy Aveo. What's going on here? Oh, thank you so much for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, <clears throat> I thought it was the clutch, but my son said it's not. It's like when I shift, and um, if I step on it too hard, it hesitates. And going uphill to it starts cutting out a little bit, and then I have to shift down. And um, I was wondering if there's um, someone thought it might be spark plug wires and needing a tune-up. Someone else told me they thought it could be an oxygen sensor. Any uh, any any check engine light or anything coming on, Sandy? No, and this is what's really weird. When I was sitting in the passenger side, my son was driving. There was a little yellow uh, curved thing. It didn't say check engine light, and he said that's a check engine light. And then when I drive by myself and nobody's in the passenger seat, 
and the seatbelt is not fastened, this thing never does show up. And the only time it did was when my son was driving and I was sitting in the passenger seat. And okay. it was just a little round, it, little round curved yellow line. It, it, it doesn't look like an engine symbol? No, it didn't. Okay. So let's start at the beginning. First thing I want somebody to do is scan it for codes. Before anybody changes any parts, pay somebody to do a, a code scan and analysis just to see is there anything in history or anything about the set. All right. You know, sometimes when a car is going to get sick, sometimes when a car is going to break, it, it may not have set the fault yet. It's just like a human being. You get the sniffles on Monday, but it takes till Wednesday before it becomes the cold. So, right. you know, same thing with a car. It, it may not have set the fault code yet, but it may be a pending code about to happen. And a code scan before we start parts replacement is a great place to look. That's number one. Number two, I want somebody, a mechanic preferably, to look to see if this vehicle, and it should have, it should have a rubber air intake boot. All right? It's like an accordion. And what happens is when you go to shift, what I've seen is when you go to shift, you stretch the rubber. The rubber is dry now. It's 12 years old, and it's cracked on the bottom. It's probably got a one-inch hole in it. And when you go to shift, you and you pop the one-inch hole open, and it creates a big air leak, and the engine bogs out. If it gets bad enough, sometimes it'll turn on a check engine light. Then you release, and you you know drive through to the next gear. It collapses. It closes off. The engine runs normal. And then the process repeats every time you go to shift it. So that's where I would start with this. I would look for codes to see if anything's pending, anything in history, and then I would also take a look at and see, do you have the possibility of a cracked air intake duct? Third thing is, when the problem happens, if both of those don't pan out, where's fuel trim? Mention that to your mechanic, fuel trim. Tell him to watch it while you're going through the shift pattern, and let's see what sort of answer he comes back with. You call me back, 855-560-9900. We'll talk about it next week. I'm Ron Anning, The Car Doctor. We're back right after this. Well, well, well. Welcome back. We're on the Eating the Car Doctor. Anthony, have you uh, been on a date lately? Yeah, about two weeks ago, a young lady and I went to the coffee shop in Union Square. Do do young people still go to the movies? There's a reason I'm asking. Um, I haven't taken a, been on a date in a movie in years. Really? So, like, the drive-in's out of the question? Not where I live at, yes. I can't, it, I can't get you to go to the drive-in with me? No. My son was at the drive-in the other night with his girlfriend. Really? Yeah. Did they see the movie? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, they've wasted a lot of time and, on and this. I, and I don't think they sat in the car. I think they were sitting on the ground. What's the point in that? I have no idea. Um, I'd much rather sit in the car. Well, here's, here's the reason I'm asking. Coming up September 8th, all right, the Warwick Drive-In. And I realize we're a national show, but I'm going to get local here for a second, right? The Warwick Drive-In. Um, this is the proceeds go to the Warwick Valley Humane Society. It's sponsored by WTBQ, 1110 AM up there in Warwick, New York. Um, one of our affiliates here in the, on this side of the country. Cruisers for Critters, um, 11 to 3. I understand that can go 11 to 5, too, at the Warwick Drive-In. Maybe we'll go up there. All cars and bikes, welcome. They're going to do a classic car show and things like that. Um, Tom, maybe we'll go up there and do the show live. That would be kind of neat. I would uh, I would enjoy that. I'm Ron Anning, The Car Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. 